Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new set of windows or a new door can do a lot of things for you. It can make your home more energy efficient. It can add value to your home. But it also can change the vibe and the feeling and the look as well. Now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with the good folks at Pella. Give them a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And by my good friends at Runza. You guys know I was a quarterback at Lincoln Southeast, but you know I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger. Some onion rings, maybe double dipped in the homemade batter. It's a little bit of ice cold pop to top it off. Oh, my goodness. In football, you establish the run. At lunch, you establish the Runza. It's that simple. Get to Runza today and get yours. Tell them your friend, Nick Baugh, sent you. All right. Uh, welcome back for Husker Classic Recaps Week 2. Week 1 was a blast. If you missed it, uh, it's on the podcast feed, the Nick Baugh podcast feed. We recapped. Uh, the 1997 Nebraska-Missouri game, the flea kicker, the the Davison catch uh, that sent it to overtime, just had a blast doing that one. Uh, but but this game, I've really been looking forward to, man. This is obviously one of the most important games in the story that is Nebraska football and one of the most important games in the story of Tom Osborne's career. Uh, we're talking about the 1983 Orange Bowl. Number one, Nebraska versus number five, Miami. This is the infamous Tom Osborne goes for two to try to outright win the title game. This was a wild, wild game. A uh, game of runs of, of both teams kind of having big quarters uh, and then answering each other. It was, it was an amazing. Obviously, it was a wild finish, but the entire game was great. And this was a star-studded offensive team with Nebraska. You got, uh, obviously, the, the, the triplets and Turner Gill, Mike Rozier and Irving Fryer. Uh, this this team was loaded offensively, and then Miami's a uh, a team that's looking for the first national title. So this was a it's a, it's, it's a game that although it's, it was a heartbreaker, it's a classic, and it's always kind of weird, you know, when Bo and I sat down to kind of lay out the the schedule for Husker Classic recaps and okay, which games do we want? Okay, we got to have this game, got to have that game. It's always kind of weird when you select losses for a series like this Husker Classic recaps. You know, you would think. They're, they're all wins. But to me, again, like I just said, you can't, you can't tell the story of Nebraska football without this game. You just can't. So this game, even though it was a loss, it just had to be on the schedule of games to rewatch and recap. So let's get to it, man. I think you guys are really, really going to love this. This was a blast to do it was the game was amazing to rewatch. Uh, this podcast was fun to to knock out with one Bo Robert Rude. So let's get to it, man. Husker Classic recaps, week two, 1983 Orange Bowl, Nebraska, Miami. Enjoy. What do you think of when I say the name Tom Osborne? There's certainly a lot to choose from with a man like that. National championships, the option, congressman, athletic director. And there are countless achievements, games, and moments to choose from. And with all that to choose from, all the wins, the titles, the victories, it's interesting that one of the first things I think about is a loss and a decision. How could it be that arguably the greatest college football coach of all time, one of the first things I think about is a loss? Well, because sometimes we learn more about you in a loss 
than we do in a win. I'm not sure we've ever learned more about a coach in one single game than we did about Tom Osborne in the 1983 Orange Bowl. When I think of Tom Osborne, I think of guts, conviction, class, winner. All those traits shine through in one game. You want conviction? How about sticking to your identity, the option, and running it on fourth and eight from the 19-yard line with under a minute to play in the national championship game? You want guts? How about going for two to outright win the title when you could have just kicked an extra point and shared a championship? Winner? Well, sometimes you can exemplify everything that embodies a winner and still lose. Because the harsh reality in sports is there always has to be a winner and a loser. And that's just it right there. You see, winners understand that. If we line up and battle and compete, there has to be a winner. If you love winning, then tying just won't do. If you love winning, then sharing the title just won't do. When you truly love something, you're willing to risk it all. You're willing to lose it all just to get it. Tom Osborne got to the doorstep of everything he's ever wanted. And in that moment, he wouldn't settle for anything less than it all. It's one of the ultimate, what would you do sports questions? 31-30, national championship game. There is no overtime. Do you kick the extra point and tie? Or do you go for the win? Do you go for two? The answer to that question tells me a lot about you as a person, you as a coach, and you as a competitor. Do you got the guts? Do you got the confidence? What's that little voice inside saying to you? With sports immortality calling, Tom Osborne knew what he would do when he answered that call. Because, well, I guess I'll read you a quote from Peter Vesey of the New York Times who said this about Tom Osborne after the game. Osborne showed that he and his team and his college and his state loved winning so much that they would take the chance of losing. Exactly. Exactly. This is Husker Classic Recaps, the 1983 Orange Bowl, number one Nebraska versus number five Miami. Bo Rude is here. Is this game, I guess I'll ask you a question to bring in, is this one of the first things you think of? Like when you think of Tom Osborne, is the 83 decision to go for two, like is this one of the first things you think about with him? It's in the top three probably. Yes. You know, you think of It's the, not the first, but it's... You probably think of the 94, his first title. Right. You think of the, you know, just of him and his, his career, and then I think you think of that decision. I, I mean, it's th- up there. It's up there with what he's known for. Well, I guess that's the thing with like one person with like when someone's so accomplished, if it makes the first paragraph, that's that's a big thing, you know. Yeah. When and I I think the reality is when the story of Tom Osborne gets written completely, you almost got to put this in that first paragraph, at least for me. What's amazing is it's such a it's such a incredible moment which ended in a loss. But yes. yet there is a like there is such character in that in that decision in that moment 
that it, it was bigger than the actual game. It was right. like a it was a it was a test of character almost. Which it is, was. We'll I guess get, that's why I went into it. Like it, it was. You know, they always talk about like sports and the anal- and it being analogous to life, and you know, you 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 learn a lot. Like, but but it's true. And I don't think there's, and this comes from a basketball guy. I'm not sure there's any sport that teaches more about human nature, who you are, than football does. Like football is the ultimate character sport. Oh yeah, that's it. Just is. But that's why America loves is, it. Loves it like they do. And in this moment in time, they're going crazy when they're it's trying to be taken right. away from because it it. It defines us in so many ways. So I think it's important to frame, like with, with this game, because because you, you're right. I mean, it was like the the biggest thing that came out of the game was this decision. But I think there's so much more to this game. And before we get into the game, we let's frame everything with both teams. Most importantly, Nebraska. The one thing, when I was thinking about this game, this game didn't just start in... 1983 to me everything with this game began in 1982 controversial loss at Penn State that we're going to recap in a couple of weeks on the Husk Classic recap seen a few weeks oh boy with a with a horrible call late in the game and Penn State goes on to win the national championship yeah and that was the one of the was that the first two games of the year I believe yes because they went it was in the I think it was the second game of the season because yeah. Nebraska goes on to win their final 10 games of the 1982 season and then here comes the 1983 season. Nebraska starts the season ranked number one in 1983. They go 12-0. and They were ranked number one every week. Week one, two, three, all the way till the final rank, and all the way until that game. And let's be clear. They were beating the brakes off of people, too. Oh, they had, so, but so they had won 22 games in a row. Yep. And you need to understand that... They were widely considered arguably the greatest college football team of all time heading into this 1983 Orange Bowl against Miami. With this team, just a couple of kind of nuggets on this team. So you said they're beating the brakes off people. They hung 84 on Minnesota. <laughs> 84 points. They averaged, they were, the, the nickname of this team was the scoring explosion. 52 points per game. They averaged 407 rushing yards per game and 547 total yards per game, which again at that time is those numbers are outrageous. Mm-hmm. Totally outrageous. This team had 15 guys go on to play in the NFL. They had six all conference selections, five all Americans on this team. Dean Steincooler, Outland. Trophy winner, Lombardi trophy winner, first team All American, Irving Fryer, first team All American. He averaged 19 and a half yards per reception that season. Turner Gill finished fourth in the Heisman, second team All American. Then you have Mike Rogier, who won the Heisman trophy. And it, it, I saw this little nugget. He had, he had 200 yards rushing in each of the last four regular season games. Like, this guy was incredible. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but, like, it, it, you got to frame just, this was like a, hist- and then Tom Osborne was the national coach of the year. This is a historically good team. Yeah, we've never had a quarterback, running back, receiver combination like that. I mean, 
Irving Fryer is probably the the greatest receiver to ever play at Nebraska. Because Johnny Johnny Rogers is like a wing back, yeah, it's but, a little different. But but a true like split out receiver, he's probably the best ever. Rozier wins the the Heisman Trophy at Iback. Got to probably give him the greatest Iback to ever yes. play. And Turner was just such a solid good player for our system. Um, he wouldn't be our greatest quarterback, but he's up there. I'm telling you. Well, I'll get more into Turner because there's some stats on I Turner. Hear what you because I got some things. I got some more thoughts Turner on Turner. Gets looked over a lot, so I want to hear what you guys say about Turner. We'll we'll get to Turner when we get to the legacy of this game because there's some it, things when you take a look at Turner's career that, oh boy, oh in, yeah. a, in 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 another world, in another in in few plays go different, and dude is dude is com- viewed completely different. But basically, what you understand is this Nebraska team is on the brink of putting an exclamation point as maybe the greatest college football team of all time to date. Well, they call it the greatest offensive line in NCAA history. They were the highest scoring offense in college football history. Like it was, they were, they were thought of in such a light that I don't know that everybody grasps how good people thought this team was. Yes. I, well, because that's the thing is sometimes it's the cruel thing about sports is like if you don't win at all, you kind of get forgotten. That's just kind of the nature. Mm-hmm. It's the beauty and the and the beast of sports. And w- when you're writing down, and I'm talking all of college football, when you're writing down greatest teams to not win, hard-pressed to not have the 83 team in your first three, four, five teams yeah. you list. Yeah. So it's important to understand just – just how historically excellent this team was heading into this game. Mm-hmm. So, real quick to give you a feel for Miami. Miami, so they start the season unranked. They lose their first game of the season 28-3 to to Florida. They then proceed to win 10 games in a row and climb their way up into the rankings. They're at 15th, then at 12th, then they crack the top 10, and they ultimately get up to fourth or fifth, depending on what poll you're looking at, heading into this Orange Bowl. Their defense was pretty darn good. Yeah. Third-ranked scoring defense, fourth in total defense, and they had a true freshman quarterback in Bernie Kosar leading the charge, who ends up having one whale of a game that we'll get into here. Is there anything we're missing with Miami? So I, I think the the big takeaway, like when I looked into Miami, is – is I think we think of Miami as like, it's the you. You think of like like Michael Irvin and Warren Sapp and like Ray this, Lewis and this Ed attitude. Reed and, yeah. But you forget that Miami in the '60s and '70s was not a good football program. Right? They weren't. They I think they said 33 years since they'd been to a major bowl. And Howard Schnellenberger takes over in 1979 after they just went. Two and eight, three and eight, three and eight, six and five, five and six. That was yeah. Miami's, like that was where Miami was was at in the world. They they were unranked in '83, so they started. He started to rebuild this program and bring life to it. I mean, there was always tons of talent in Miami, yeah. right? Like everybody talking about Dade County, it's it's the place where you come no to find talent, right? But they were not tapping into that talent. No, but but this but. But Schnellenberger, what he was doing is he he got some quarterbacks. I know Jim Kelly was was there, and Bernie replaced Jim Kelly. So that's two, you know, guys that are Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks that they went and brought down from the north to Miami. Because I think 
Bernie's an Ohio guy. Jim Kelly's a PA guy. So, I mean, that's really what they did. And that was their sort of, that was their recipe was bringing these big time quarterbacks down with the talent. But Schnellenberg turned that program around to even exist. You got to understand Miami was nothing until this game. Yes, this game. This is their first national championship. Obviously, yeah. This game puts the U on the map. Yes, and then Jimmy Johnson takes over two or three years later, and it's just a an explosion. Yeah. But before that moment, it, Miami was not Miami. Totally, totally agree. So that, that give you a sense of kind of where both these teams were heading into this thing. And so let's get into the game because we we lay out how both these teams are. I wish. I could have gotten a sense of exactly what everyone was expecting with this game. I'd have to imagine a lot of people thought Nebraska was going to come and just rock this team. How could you not? How could you not? When, when you're, when you're the way people are discussing Nebraska as greatest, potentially greatest team of all time, greatest offense of all time, you you would assume that they would think that this game is going to be probably an ass kicking. And think about, you got to remember Miami wasn't, this isn't 94 Miami. This is right. 84 Miami, right? right? You like, have to, is, you have to, you, you got to, you got to get everything you know about the U out of your head yeah, for this, this game. This is the, this is why it's, it's what Miami did was amazing actually. So right. it, it's. It is incredible. I think every Husker fan probably thought, we're going to do what we've done for 20 straight games. I think everybody felt like, here we go. Osborne's finally going to punch through. This is it. Going to win it. And then the game kicks off. And to say that the first quarter is a disaster for Nebraska is putting it accurately. (laughs) So Nebraska's first drive of the game, pretty good one. Couple options. Rogier's kind of rolling. Yeah, they're 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 getting down the field. They get stopped on third down. They attempt a forty-five yard field goal that gets blocked, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, and, and that that set the tone. I think that that right there set the tone for Miami that this is going to be our day. Actually, yes, that's right. I agree. I think that's what. To me, this play and then their ensuing drive, they marched down the field with two long pass plays. Again, true freshman Bernie Kosar was a stud in this game. They march down the field, they get it to third and goal, and they run a little out. And it looked like Nebraska, linebacker number 20, looks like he has a pick and it goes right through his hands oh. and it's a touchdown for Dennison and Miami's up 7 nothing. But, I mean, it should have been... It should have been an interception it, for Nebraska. It was amazing when you look at when you look at that play because they broke it down super slow mo. Yeah. and I mean, it looked like it may have touched both of his hands and like went through. Oh, it was so close, so close. But you're right. I think so. So now all of a sudden, the the tone's a little bit uh, kind of been set for Miami. Right? They get a block field goal, which is a momentum shifting play. They capitalize by marching down the field and scoring. On third and goal, so now it's seven nothing. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's second drive, they go three and out and punt. Now again, this is the scoring explosion going three and out. Miami's second drive, they convert two third downs and end up kicking a forty-five yard field goal. So now Miami's up ten nothing. Nebraska's third drive of the first quarter, they're driving the ball down the field, and then Turner Gill on third and eleven at the Miami 40-yard line, throws a pick. 
And, and it was a bad pick. It, it was, was a bad not, throw, yeah. and and it's really out of character for Turner Gill. He only had three interceptions on the season heading into that game. Mm-hmm. So a, another kind of like a, a just all these things are starting to add up. Of whoa, what's happening here? Then Miami's next drive, they march down the field, and Bernie Kosar hits Dennison, their tight end, up the yeah. seam for a touchdown, and all of a sudden. 17 nothing in the first quarter. 17 nothing. Miami is on top of Nebraska to end the first quarter. So basically, all that could go wrong went wrong for Nebraska, and everything that could potentially go right went right for Miami. Yeah. And 17 nothing out the gates. So here we go, second quarter. Nebraska's first drive of the second quarter. This is an important sequence here. The like the second quarter is very interesting. So Nebraska has four plays and they punt. And then Miami gets a super long punt return. So at yeah. this point, it's 17-0. The scoring explosion has had to punt twice. They've thrown a pick, and Rogier's been kind of put in check, the Heisman Trophy winner. This is a bit like if you feel like if Miami scores here, it's not over, but it's like Nebraska's on the ropes big yeah. time here. And the first big play from the Nebraska defense happens. Mac McCashland gets a big interception for Nebraska along the Miami sideline, which is a big play because, again, they were in Nebraska territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could have kicked a field goal or they could have potentially scored. Nebraska then their ensuing drive ends in an unbelievable fashion. <laughs> they're, they're, they're plodding their way down the field. They get it all the way down to the 19-yard line. They get stuck at third and eight from the 19, down 17 nothing. And what do they do? Fumble Ruski. <laughs> Dean Steinkuhler. Scores a 19-yard touchdown run. And even though you've seen that play a bunch, it still is a, it's an amazing play. Well, you don't... It was a play that the average fan then and still now doesn't think... They wouldn't even do think that. you can even do. It right. does... I mean, I don't even... I think it was maybe done maybe a little bit more often back then, but I mean, you, you didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. So... Within the rules, you can't take the snap and hand it to... No, you have to fumble the snap. So the so ball, the ball has, has to, get... to truly be a fumble. It has to hit, hit and, and you can't even yeah, catch it, it and drop it. You have to fumble the exchange. So it has to be a fumble. You have to fumble the exchange down. It can't be held and dropped. It's, it's I mean, it, it's a risky with the way a ball, with the, with the unknown bounce of a football... I mean, it is a that is a risky. It is play. I, I got to think on grass. It's better than on turf. turf. It probably bounces less, but still, it's like it's a risky play, and you're putting the ball in your lineman's so hand. So Steinkuhler's at right guard, and so the ball comes out and just you know it hits Gill's hand and just falls to the ground, and Steinkuhler, everybody, the whole play's going to the right. Gill's kind of rotating that way yeah. and running that way, and Steinkuhler picks it up and runs to the left, and the camera was fooled. You didn't even 
when the play happened, the, the camera had no idea what was I'll going on. I'll give Miami this. One of their players played it pretty good, and Dean Steinkuhler was surprisingly fast. Oh, Like, for a lineman, yeah. he ran that 20 about as good as most tight ends. Yes. Do. Was was big, light on his feet, finished the run hard. Finished like, got in the end. Hey, in this type of game, to get in the end zone is a premium. He got in. He didn't get tackled right. at the two. Right. Make us settle for a field goal. He got in. But one of the one of the defining plays of the game, fumble Ruski, third and eight, 19 yard line. Dean Steinkuhler punches it in. And it changed, I think, Nebraska's their their momentum that they like it got them it, going. Yes. I think I think you could feel because then Miami Miami's next possession, Nebraska forces Miami to punt. And this is when – so you have the fumble Ruski, then you force a punt, then here comes Nebraska, the scoring explosion. They really start to – it was – I wrote down finding a flow. Yeah. You could tell in that drive was the first year, like, oh, here it is. Yep. Here's the scoring explosion. Ten-play, 64-yard touchdown drive that ends in a Turner Gill quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Yeah. So all of a sudden now it's 17-14, and it – and it kind of feels like Nebraska's caught their breath a little bit. Yep. And so halftime hits with Nebraska only down three. Now, I have to imagine at half, Bo, if you're Tom Osborne, you're Turner Gill, you're, or you're a Husker fan watching it, aren't you kind of like, of course, your anxiety's high because it's a national championship game, but I'd have to imagine with how that season played out, like, Everything, you're kind of going, man, everything, that first quarter was a fluke and a disaster. They weathered the storm. They're now back in it. I'd have to imagine everyone at half kind of felt pretty good about Nebraska heading into the second half. Yeah, I think so. I mean, with that offense, um, you got to feel confident, I feel right. like, with that offense. And, you know, in that point, Rozier was still healthy. I mean, you got the Heisman Trophy winner. You got Turner. You got Irving Fryer. Like, you feel like, okay, we can score points. Right. We're down, but we can score points. I, I think the the part that I, I would love to have seen that defensive huddle because I don't know what they thought of Bernie Kozar or how, how good they thought he was, but Bernie and those receivers I thought were really talented. Yes. And that was the part where, you know, we had a really tough defense. You know, these guys, I, you could tell they were tough, hard physical, hitting. hard yeah. hitting, but in space, I thought they had a big advantage on us. Those yeah. receivers, I thought Eddie Brown, number yeah. 40, he's one of the guys that I remember the flashes of this game from the times I've seen it. I remember that number 40 jersey from Miami. And he, I think he had six catches for 100-some yards, but they were huge plays, and it was always like him in space, and we had a ton of t trouble tackling the guy. Yeah, and and so that would be the only thing I'm with you, like, the only concern, how I laid out how Nebraska can can frame it, like, listen, everything went wrong, we're, we're in a good spot. But the only concern was Nebraska hadn't shown any evidence that they were going to be able to slow down Bernie Kosar. No, we, we really didn't. I mean, Bernie was a fresh, uh, he was a redshirt freshman, but he was, oh, he man. was as cool and confident, and he was firing that ball all over the field. It was down the field, like pretty relentlessly in that right. game. So then the second half starts. The very first play from scrimmage for Miami is a fumble. Nebraska recovers it, capitalizes on the turnover. 
on the ensuing possession. They don't score a touchdown, but they get three out of it. Mm -hmm. Livingston kicks a 34-yard field goal. So now, all of a sudden, right away to start the third quarter, it's a tie ball game. Yeah. And this is where, you know, you, you talk about, like, Miami earning it. To me, Miami earned Yes. It okay, a, a lesser team ro starts rolling over yes. now for the better team. Right. Like that the 83 team was probably a better team, and, but Miami was 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 so much better than people thought that it, this was the point where they did not roll over. I will say that's a great point. Like they they kind of showed their championship medal here mm -hmm. a little bit. Like cuz again, a uh, those front a front runner lesser team would have just folded at yeah. this point, you know, because they got they get a blocked field goal, they get a pick, the like fum, the fumble, the fumble Ruski takes they, the, yeah. that takes it that should take it out of you, and it, it just they they, they showed, showed their worth. Here. Yeah, they showed their worth in the next two drives. So Miami has a nine play, seventy five yard drive that ends in a touchdown. Now Nebraska got flagged for pass interference in the end zone that set up a two yard touchdown run, and so. All of a sudden, Nebraska's up 23-17 to 17 because, hold on a minute, there's something we have to mention about this extra point for Miami. Mm -hmm. Miami's extra point is a horrible kick that hits the left upright and ricochets in for the extra point to be good, to make it 24-17. to 17. I mean, Bo, all it takes is, what, 6, 10 inches or so? Five, four five, or five inches. Depending yeah. on how the ball, I mean, you know, with the, a ball's Boom. going in for end, end over end, it hits that pole, it hits that upright a little bit different. It might bounce to the left, it might not bounce through, and now it's to, everything could be totally different yep. because, as we know, the game's ends thirty-one to thirty, so every point is huge. I just couldn't believe when I saw that. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Miami's extra point to make it twenty-four seventeen right. hit the upright and it win makes, in. It makes you go crazy almost. Oh go, my god. So then, we, again, we talk about Miami kind of showing their championship medal here. Nebraska's next offensive drive, three and out. Again, guys, this is the scoring explosion, 52 points per game. They hung 84 on Minnesota early in the year, hung 70. Like, they, they are, this is a prolific offense. Yeah. Then Miami takes over, and they get uh, – Nebraska's flag for pass interference on the first play, and it gets the ball all the way down to the 43 yard, 45 yard line. Then again, Kosar's money. He has two great throws that gets Miami all the way inside the 10 and sets up a seven yard touchdown run from Bentley. And all of a sudden, when Nebraska felt like, okay, we, we tied it, we're in this thing, in a span of a handful of minutes here, it's 31 17, Miami. In the national championship game, and you're going uh, now. Now the the heat is on you. The heat is on. And what happened? And, and so we talk about all of a sudden it's thirty one seventeen. As you put it, the heat is on. And Nebraska's next drive is when Mike Rogier gets hurt and knocked out of the game. Oh God, he's so good too, and that's—I mean—that's uh, why we almost almost want to like pause and can we like can we just talk about how good Mike yeah, Rozier was like, for a second? Let's let's talk Mike Rozier because here's the thing. So real quick, left ankle sprain with three minutes left in the in the third quarter, and one of the signs of greatness is when you kind of feel like they 
when someone's like, oh, like, I think if you asked Miami, like, hey, have you done a pretty good job on Rozier up until that point? Be like, yeah, we've done a pretty good job on him. Rozier still had 25 carries for 147 yards. And he kind of felt like he hadn't done a ton. No, you know? he, he hadn't really gotten loose. But, I mean, the dude's just like, oh. I, I loved, I like, you don't get to see enough Mike Rozier. It's too much of that lost film. But, I mean, I, I think from the, the get-go, I, I just was like, I'm enamored with, you know, I, I even wrote down, I wrote down a few things. I was like, I was like laughing at like the huge pads, the baggy, <laughs> the baggy sleeves, but cut off at the belly, the high, high hip, hip pads. pads. And he had this great wiggle that he would, you know, he'd slash through a hole, but he had a good enough wiggle where those big pads would wiggle, but then he would slip by somebody and he was physical. I mean, dude. He he was the full package, and you see how many times they threw to him, yeah. and he didn't ever drop a pass. Like I was like, I was very impressed with his complete game. Uh, I mean, again, you talk about the Heisman Trophy winner, yeah. And I was blown away, even in a hope. Now I watched a bunch of highlights of him from other games just to get a feel. Like I just, I was blown away at how good of a runner he was, and. You and I were joking before we 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 hit record here. You know, sometimes there's great players from the 70s or the 80s, and you watch highlights of them, and you kind of go like, you know, hey, there's here's tell you what, here's Bob Cousy. Yeah, tell you it, what, the it, way he handled the ball, it was not, and you're like, uh, you kind of roll your eyes, like man, doesn't translate. Yeah, this, it doesn't. This doesn't feel like it would yeah. it would translate at all. I feel like you could plop Mike Rozier, 1983 Mike Rozier into 2020. I think he wins the Heisman Trophy. He's not a good player, a great player. I think he can win the Heisman Trophy. I totally... Based on what I saw... That player now... That player is the the best running back in college football. I think that guy on the right team wins a Heisman Trophy. 100% agree. And that's all you you can ask for greatness. He had... And he was as complete of a runner. He was fast. He was elusive. He was tough. He could catch. Uh, he had some, like he he had some of that. He was like, big, but he had a wiggle, and he he had the breakaway speed. I mean, he had, com- he had com- the complete game. He, it's just like I, I think he's a guy that's sort of. This might sound bad, but I think he gets lost. I, in I think. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about my good friends at Runza. Boy, did uh, this last read explode on social media because I have uh, let you into a top secret menu item that has really blown everybody's mind. Did you know at Runza, you can get anything on a Runza sandwich? Like, I love a cheese Runza, but if I wanted to, I could get pickles on it or mustard. I could put some more onions in that bad boy. I could put some fries in there. It's anything in the kitchen within reason you can ask for, and they'll add it. Again, I'm a cheese Runza guy, but... Next time I stop in, I think I'm going to throw some some pepper jack cheese on that bad boy. Maybe even some french fries on it as well. I mean, you can do whatever you want within reason because every Runza is made to order. They all start as an original with no toppings, and they can add the toppings when you order, and boom, you got a custom Runza sandwich. You can't beat it. So that's, once again, the super secret menu item from my friends at Runza. The build your own Runza. Get into Runza today. Get one that's just for you and tell them Nick Boss sent you. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella windows and doors. Here's the thing. Putting in 
you know, some new windows or a new door. It, it's really exciting, but sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Let me help you out. First of all, you, you got to go with Pella. That's obvious. And with going with Pella, there are a couple of directions you can go to start. You can schedule a free in-home consultation. That's right, free. You'll get a Pella expert out to sit down with you, look at your home, and they're going to be able to get a Tom Osborne-esque game plan for you that fits your budget, your wants, and your needs. That's one option. Or option number two, you can head out to the showroom. The showroom is really cool. Sometimes it actually helps you kind of see the window or see the door, feel it, open it, close it to get a better feel of exactly what you're putting into your home. So the showroom is also a great place to start as well. Any direction you go to start, just know that Pella can 100% provide window and door solutions to any home. Check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Back to the podcast. I will say I will left this game being like, you know who we need to talk more about? Mike freaking Rozier. Because people talk about Lawrence Phillips. They talk about uh, Amon Green. And they'll talk about those 90s running backs. Oh, yeah. They'll talk about Johnny Rogers. I don't know why people don't talk about Mike Rozier the no. same way. And, I mean, dude was freaking awesome. I was with my dad. who Obviously, my dad played at Nebraska in the early 70s. And he's from Fremont, Nebraska, so he's grown up around the program, and we we I was telling him about you know about our, what we're doing Husker Classic recaps and like oh we're you know watching these old games all that stuff and we gotta get into like the greatest players of all time and and I, I was telling about the um, we just saw Amon Green in '97 yeah. and then Missouri game he goes uh, but uh, he cut me off he's like but you know who the greatest running back in Nebraska history is it's Mike Rozier and he said he was like you he basically was like you don't get it. And it, we don't because we didn't get to see him enough. But, like, I, I recommend people, just like when you go back and watch this 83 game, go watch some micros, your highlights from the season. You'll be like, oh, there it is. There, okay. There's some – yeah, there, there's some – there's a – I can't – I found a website that had, like, highlights from each game. Yeah. And I just went through and, like, watched – I mean, just get some popcorn and prepare to be blown away. Yeah. Prepare but, to be a little more. But, but I'm glad he needed to he be needed his love. His. Because what was hard is as I'm writing out like the the format for this, I'm like, God, there's not a great like because the, there wasn't it was kind of a ho hum Rozier game. But the dude still had 147 yards in the third quarter. But I'll say this, I think they were laser focused on oh, him. Oh yeah. Because and we'll talk about Jeff Smith a little bit more when he comes back. I felt like when Jeff Smith came in, there was like Totally. There was a, there was like all of a sudden things opened up. Totally agree. But so but but to now to zoom, get back to the game. Okay. Again, 31-17. 3 minutes left in the third quarter and Nebraska's Heisman Trophy winner Mike Rozier just got knocked out of the game. Mhm. Not ideal. And then what happens? Jeff Smith comes in. And what happens when somebody just comes in and hasn't well, played? He didn't get a carry all game long. First carry. Turner Gill, option to the left, pitches it out. Jeff Smith, look. Great hey, Jeff moves, Smith, yeah. pretty good little runner, man. Yeah. Slices his way up the field. Gets down to the two-yard line. Fumbles. First carry option going down to the two yard line. Going in, fumbles. touchdown was coming in a play or two, and we fumble. And, and, and that's what happens when, I mean, Mike, he, you got to love the guy. He took every carry, but when you're not in and you come in, that's what happens. It's the hard. It's hard if you sit on the if you sit there for three quarters and you come in, you got to. That's hard. Yeah, but he fumbles. It's yep. a huge play. 
So now 31-17, Nebraska fumbles, Miami takes over, they go three and out and punt, and then it's the end of the third quarter. Yep. So here we go. Miami's up 31-17 on Nebraska heading into the fourth quarter. As we joked last time, these are that moments where you would be texting your buddy, you watching this, but we <laughs> joked about the rotary phones in 1997. They were definitely rotary phones in 1983. Oh, it we was... Were, uh, oh. we, I mean, you were licking stamps and be like, mailman, <laughs> get on your horse and ride. Go. That's where you stop for a second. This is going to make no sense what I'm about to say. You stop for a second. You tell your friend, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down the street and tell, ask Bill if he's watching the game. You get on your horse and go, <laughs> yeah. Bessie? Bessie, you, whoa. Hey, Bill. What? You see the score 31-17, Miami's up? Oh, I'm watching it. All right. Yeah! <laughs> Doesn't make any sense that this game would be on national television, but yet people have horses. That's, and that's how, how they, they communicate. But that's how they had to get 1983. around. 1983. That's what they tell me. You had to do it. Okay. So, <laughs> fourth, fourth quarter starts, and Nebraska starts with the ball. They're driving. They're driving. A touchdown pass from Turner Gill gets broken up in the end zone. And then Turner Gill gets sacked on third and eight. And then here comes Livingston, the kicker, misses a 47-yard field goal. So that another opportunity for points, mm-hmm. you come away with nothing. So you get it down to the two, you fumble, you come away with nothing. You have an opportunity to score, you come away with nothing. This is where Nebraska's defense now is kind of starting yeah. to find itself. I don't know if you were seeing anything here. Like, not. I, I think this was more just what they probably had done all year. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything special. I think they were just playing solid defense. Right. And this is, you know, the, you can't say this wasn't a championship caliber defense because they'd done it all year. And, you know, they, they gave the offense a chance when they needed because it. Because that's it. They, you know, down, they're down 31-17. They force a three and out and a punt. And then after Nebraska misses another field goal, they, they now force it. Miami goes three and out and punts again. Mm-hmm. And then Nebraska has a really good drive, and as you said, things just – Jeff Smith had more room. Just had more room. I think they must have changed, been like, uh, let's We're, focus let's, on Fryer and Gill, and, you know, but maybe when, when Rozier was in there, they just, like – they just their eyes were all just so much more heavy glued to him. Even though a lot of times it's, it's option football, but I think when you're just handing it off or you're in the throwing game, they might just their their eyes and awareness is is less concerned. Totally. So, but Nebraska has a good drive. Get down to the one. Jeff Smith punches it in. One yard touchdown run with six minutes and fifty five seconds left in the fourth quarter. The score is officially thirty one to twenty four. I thought it was interesting in rewatching the game on YouTube for TV. Did you notice? I thought it was interesting that the announcers, with 6.55 left, they were already discussing the hypothetical looming decision for Tom Osborne and whether or not he's going to go for two. Nick, I, I didn't really understand how, the, like, I've never heard somebody like, you know, they might have this decision, I guess, without overtime, maybe, maybe people, that cha- yeah, you're maybe right. they're I, more concerned with that. But like, I was surprised they were already thinking about that. But I guess it's like when, when you have those ties, it's more of a, uh, of a talk point that, that has we don't to be think it. we don't think about it now because we don't have ties. You just go, well, of course, 
kick it and you'll go kick to it and go to OT. That's what it is. I'm yeah. glad. I mean, it's funny how like you saying it. I'm like, well, Del, why didn't I think of that? Because I'm like, I, I why did they? I, I didn't even until you said that. I, I didn't even like it. Didn't even register really. Because I'm watching the game. I'm like, wow. I wrote down. I'm like, wow. How did these announcers like? They're already they discussing. Were, they this. were thinking way ahead of like. Well, I mean, there's seven minutes left. Yeah, there's seven minutes. Like a shit. Nebraska could. You know, you could get a pick. I mean, Nebraska, yeah. the game, the game could have gone sideways either way. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. So six fifty-five left. Here is where Miami has a really good drive. It doesn't end in points, but it's a good drive because it's it's that whole you're up seven. You got to have your four minute offense. Yeah. So Nebraska or Miami has a good drive that ends in a forty-five yard missed field goal, but Miami flipped the field. And they ate five minutes off the clock, pretty much. From 6.55 down to 1.47. So, Bo Robert Root, Turner Gill, Irving Fryer, Jeff Smith, Tom Osborne get together, and they take the field down 31.24 with one minute and 47 seconds left and two timeouts in the national championship game. Mm -hmm. First play, Irving Fryer has a skinny post to start the drive for a 29-yard gain. He almost scores. Yeah. he. It was one of those, like, he caught it. If the safety doesn't – if he yeah, if he beats slips, the safety yeah. and slips it, he scores. But so much like the Kenny Cheatham play from a week ago, you got to have a big play right at the start. Get your chunk play. You get your chunk play with Irving Fryer. Couple plays later, I think it was one or two plays later, here comes the big moment. One of the big moments. I think er, there's what, like a minute and there's a minute fifteen, tw- minute, 16 15, second, yeah. minute and fifteen on the clock. They motion Fryer, short motion on the right side, not to the upside, just short motion to kind of get him to run a post, you know, down down the middle of the field. He's wide open. Irving Mother Fryer is wide open. And Nick, how was that throw? Perfect from Turner Mother Gill. He turns. He is standing on the goal line. Just, I mean, it hits him right in the hands. Drops it. Second down and eight. One twelve to play. Turner Gill with his twenty-eighth pass. Irving Fryer. He dropped the ball. The best receiver in the country, but even the great ones have elapsed. To our young listeners, you will not understand how devastating this moment is until you go watch this play. Go? It's unlike any drop you'll ever see from a all-time great player. This is this is a big-time, all-time, first-team All-American wide receiver. And it's maybe the most horrendous effort at catching a football I've I've seen... In a in a real big time football game. Oh yeah, and he, I, does, he doesn't. It's like bizarre. Nick, there there are people I know that that's you know they there's all sorts of conspiracy theories that this was the mob. He had to right. you know Vegas had him under the right uh, under their their thumb and he had to you know he was shaving points. You know you've heard everything. I, sure. I think obviously the guy 
made a mistake and he dropped it would be my guess. I don't think he's shaving but, points. But when something's that crazy it, and it bizarre was, but and irregular. He's the greatest probably wide receiver to ever play at Nebraska. Yes. I mean, best NFL career for sure. And it was like, it was one of those moments you kind of go, and he, he he very casually dropped it, but then he did, he went in the end zone, it was like, he, and he, he goes collapsed. down on his knees, and he was like, I think it was like, oh my God, that so just happened. So here's the thing. At this point, things are looking bleak. I mean, he drops it. Well, real quick, do we want to get into the let's, alternate universe? Let's get in the alternate, because I, I, I posed this to Nick before we started, because I said, I asked him, I said, Nick, did they have one timeout left after the Friar drop? And he and we looked it up. They had one. Nebraska at this point, it's a minute 12 to go. Nebraska's got one timeout left. So if Friar makes the catch. And it's a touchdown. And it's a touchdown. There's a minute 12 left with a timeout. Now that, we don't know that that changes anything. Tom Osborne hypothetically already had his mind made up. He might have said, I'm going for two I'm if going we score on this two, drive, period. No matter what, if there's one minute or two minutes. But I think the more time there is, plus timeouts, then the thought becomes, do you force them to make decisions? Them use being timeouts, Miami, yeah. And then you have a timeout to get the ball back, potentially. Like The more time there is, the more opportunity there is to play defense and field position, have a chance to get the ball back. Yes. It's an interesting thought. Now, I mean, we all know what happened. Like, what ends up happening, not a ton of, about 30 seconds elapses between when ultimately Nebraska scores here, and we'll get to that yeah. in a second. But it's an interesting question of, is is the difference between a minute 12 and 47 seconds, is that enough with, to with ch- a timeout? To change that To change potential. that decision. Yeah, I don't know that it does, but it definitely makes it a different discussion. Because you're right, it, it, it makes Miami, so now let's say, Fryer catches it, and Nebraska kicks an extra point. It's 31-31 with 112 left. Yeah. And Bernie Kosar had thrown for 300 yards, and you got two timeouts left. So if he might throw a couple incompletes, and, and, then, and then all they, of a sudden they, they go, go, oh, shit. We got to run it, and then we use our timeout. There might be 30 or 40 seconds left. Nebraska gets a chance at the ball back. That That's the mindset of, of we kick it there. If you have the time, if you don't have the timeout, you go... Ooh, then right. you're in almost in the same position. But that timeout in that extra couple of seconds. And the fact that they had they had two timeouts yeah. and they needed to win the game to be a national champion. Yes, you know what Miami's, I mean? Like, they Miami's they can't just tie and think they're going to be a national champ. Correct. So Miami's Miami's situation would have been different. Miami's not – I don't know To how me, I don't Miami, know how you don't go for it if you're Miami. Like, let, let's say this happens, yeah. and we're going down a rabbit hole pretty good here, but let's say Nebraska, it is tied 31-31 with 112 left, and you got two timeouts. you got to go for it. Miami, you got to go Miami, try to – Miami, because we looked at the final standings. Like Miami would have been 10-1-1, and and you're not getting second place no. with 10-1-1. You're no. not getting a share of that title because Nebraska would have been uh, – would have been would have been 12 0 and 1 12 0 and 1 and i think it ended up being auburn was 11 and 1 you yes so i it's just interesting i, I you brought that up and it is an interesting alternate universe of like if fryer catches that pass with a minute 12 left what does tom osborne do in fact if he ever comes on the pod that almost has to be i mean if we're just jumping the deep end with him I bet he's, he's had to have been asked that question. On the line now, Tom Osborne in my basement here. T.O., 
Let's go back to 1983 with 112 left. If Fryer <laughs> catches that pass, do you do you kick the extra point? And it's interesting. I don't know. It's in, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure coaches don't like playing the what if game as yeah. much. And there's no way somebody hasn't asked him that question. But I, I guess I haven't heard. Yeah, I haven't I, heard what that answer would be if somebody did because I think there is that little glimmer of like it might change your thought. Very much so. So because that's one of the defining plays of this game. Sure. But we're still in the fourth quarter. There's there's time left, and so Fryer drops the pass. The very next play, Turner Gill gets sacked and fumbles. Dean Steincooler picks it up, runs it a few yards, yep. and gets tackled, and then Nebraska has to call their final timeout. There goes the final timeout. So setting up fourth and eight from the 24-yard line. Just like last week, Nick. Fourth and long, third and long. What do you do? What can we do? You better believe Nebraska runs option to the right side. Turner Gill, perfect, right? Yeah. Just it was option at its. It was like the most. It may was may have been the most beautiful option I've ever seen. And now fourth down is coming up for Nebraska. The Cornhuskers with the longest winning streak in major college football. They've won 22 straight games, 12-0 this season, ranked number one all year, but they're down by seven. Somehow find a way with Mike Rogier on the sideline, his backup. Jeff Smith takes the pitch back up brilliantly. Executed play by Turner Gill. 24 yards and a touchdown. Now it's a 31-30 game. And what does what Nebraska are they doing? do? Turner really, he drug it out until the, until the guy clearly defiantly took him. Perfect pitch. And Jeff Smith beats him to the corner. Jeff Smith had a nice run. Because, I mean, he it wasn't like he walked in. Like, he had to go finish that run. He had to beat the guy at the corner, and he had to wiggle. He had right. to wiggle and get to that pylon. So, option, pitch, Jeff Smith scores. Holy shit. I, I wrote down what, what was happening at home <laughs> in Husker Nation. I mean, are you... Are you banging it's on pandemonium. windows? It's pandemonium. I mean, I think the Davidson kick catch... Would be the only thing comparable, probably. Yes. For the clutch moment of the, I mean, it's just this like, is the national championship game. National and championship. Fourth and eight from the twenty-four. Option touchdown. Not not oh, picks it up. God touchdown. And here's what's amazing though. So Jeff Smith scores. The camera immediately cuts to Tom Osborne. And what is Tom Osborne doing? He's not celebrating. He doesn't look stressed. He is in discussion with his two wide receivers who are going to run in the play on the two-point conversion play. So Nick, there me, wasn't any like Nick, it didn't appear to be any was there one do? second of him not going for two. N- not, a, not not just playing the body language doctor and reading what he looked like? No. So so the decision I think in his head was made 
a week before. You I, know, the, I, the I, night before, a week before, and for sure when this drive started. Now, if let's say let's say they score on the first play, maybe not. Yeah. But I think in his in his mind, he thought if it gets to be under a minute or whatever, I'm going for. Yeah. It. That that would be the only the only thing I'd ever want to know is. When did you make that at decision? At what point do you not go for two? At what yeah. – maybe it's two minutes. Maybe it's two well, minutes like, with all your timeouts. Maybe it's – you know, like is it th- – that's – if you got all your timeouts in a minute 45, like I think coaches go through these scenarios more. And I would guess, especially when there was these tie scenarios where you could tie. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that now. No. Because you're going to get to be able to settle it. Yeah, yeah. The, the tie scenario was was something more prevalent then. I think maybe that they I, – I, I think Osborne had a better feel. I mean, if the announcers were even bringing it up, everybody has a little bit more – That was more of a talking of point than, yeah. than it is now. But, but I, I just, Nick, he didn't could you believe it? He didn't even – Go watch even. it. Jeff Smith scores. They cut to T.O. And dude is calling – he's calling the next play. Not even the, it's that, like it was stopped at the one or something like that. Like you gotta he, love that though. You gotta love that it's not you, you know, sometimes people get deer in the headlights in the big moments. And it's like I need more time. Let's do you, he do you remember the, going to the conversation in the departed when DiCaprio is is talking about him and he's like, Here's the thing about me. My hand doesn't shake. Yeah. Remember that scene? Yeah. Like that's T O. Here's the thing about Tom Osborne. My hand doesn't shake. Nope. Regardless of the scenario. So he's going for it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. 47 seconds left. Going for two. And what does what Nebraska are they doing? do? I have not seen the kicker come on the field, and I don't think he's coming on the field. And I might as well. I think that they've got things going their way. Tom Osborne made this decision a long time ago. Don't think that this situation caught him by surprise. He's decided to go for two and take his shot at winning. I commend him for it. This is for the national championship for Nebraska. Incomplete. Let's get into the decision, dude. I mean, what are we? I I think I probably you know let the cat out of the bag with my little monologue to start. I respect the decision. I really do. I think this is just me. When, when you can settle it, settle it. I I hate ties. I think anytime you play, there has to be a winner and a loser. There just has to be. And I don't like tie games, and I don't like splitting the national championship. And let me ask you a question. If Nebraska... So the last split national title for Nebraska was 1997. Mm-hmm. You think if Nebraska and Michigan are on the field and they're in that exact scenario, do you think Nebraska is going for it? Oh, I think they're going for it. They are. I mean, yes. But that but but Tom Osborne in that moment it's like as a Nebraska fan, you take on you take on your team almost. Like you take on the personality of your coach and your team and that moment Tom Osborne as like the leader of of the team and sort of the state of like uh, of this Nebraska football uh, community, he said, "We're people that go for this," yeah. and I think I think everybody that has come out of that now that grew up as a Nebraska fan, if they're put in the same situation, they'll refer to that and go, "The honorable thing is to go for it," and I, I think that 
I, I like I respect it so much because it took guts, it took courage. It took so much freaking balls and guts and nuts and courage and confidence to do it. But that was that was the end of that team, Nick. They they thought they could win. Right. Think I just there's so, there, I think this decision is just so fascinating. Like think about anything in your life. And I know it's not always apples to apples with a football game. Think about a goal you've had in your life and you've worked every day for that goal. And you get to the doorstep of that goal. Are you going to halfway get like, what are you doing at that point? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and, and you better understand the narratives were out there. I mean, even though, even though Nebraska was winning and you know, a, a, Tom Osborne, like there were whispers during yeah. that time, you know, Osborne, he's not Bob Devaney. He can't win the big one. You know, there were always whispers, right? Yeah. You hear all those things. You get to the point all you got to do is kick the extra point, and you know what? You win a national championship. It shuts everybody up. You won, man. Oh, Nick, Nick but it's, it's a is lot that enough. It's a lot easier to go for two if you got a couple national titles in your pocket already. Yes. You know, this is 1998. Right. Yeah, I mean, Tom Osborne has no problem doing that. Right. In 1983, that is a way, way, way harder decision, and he made it without any hesitation. And he, he he was willing to risk it all, and this is a situation where it didn't work out for him. I just got to respect I, it, though. I respect the decision, and I get it. You have you have a national championship in the bag. Yeah, I, I got a question for you though. What did you think of the play call? That's what I was just going to say. The ne- I wrote down the play call. I didn't like the play call. But what's hard is <sighs> tell me I, why. Tell me why. I'm never. I, I don't like rollouts. I don't like cutting off half the field. Yeah. It gives you one option, and if that's shut off, it's usually done. I like. I like. Uh, I either like not trickery. Like remember Boise State's not like. Yeah. I don't necessarily I'm not advocating for trickery, but I like plays that have multiple options. Yeah. And this is a play where there's one option pretty much. Yeah. And so, but the hard part is is. If the ball's put out in front of Jeff Smith, yeah, he might. He, I mean, Jeff Smith had a step on the guy, but it was the throw was a little behind him. Yeah, here's what's hard. You see a lot of that. Like, I mean, you think about Clemson; they do the the roll quick out. Like a lot of people do that that little quick yep. out on these two point plays because I, I think it is. It's 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 hard to defend that, but it's also like here here's one of my beliefs. I think I heard Nick Saban say it like. I'm giving the ball to my best player. And Jeff Smith's a good player. But you got to remember, Mike Rozier was supposed to be in there. Mike Rozier, the Heisman Trophy winner, got hurt. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Smith played a really – I mean, he had an amazing couple of plays. And that touchdown's amazing. But it's also like, how, how many times has he practiced that play? Right. How many times has – or could they do anything else with him in there that was like one of their special plays? That's the thing when your Heisman Trophy winner goes down, that's like the collateral damage is, well, maybe their best play they didn't have. Maybe that was their best play, but it was supposed to go to Mike Rozier. Because I, I, that's what I, I wrote down. If What do they do if Rozier's in the game? I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's another what if, but all I know is the ball's probably going to Rozier 
But you're right. You bring up Nick Saban. What the line is from Nick Saban is in big moment when you get into the big moments of the game, don't think plays, think players. That's the one. That's the line, and I've always loved that line. And you know, now granted, you could say on the field of what was who. To me, I'd have felt better about the decision if that's Irving Fryer, and I know he just dropped one. Or but the, but Irving just dropped one, so right. maybe so maybe com- maybe yeah. it was like who does is Irving is Irving, is Irving a little nervy is here? Irving is Irving nervy? <laughs> is Irving a little nervy? Is Irving nervy? But I I will say I didn't love the play call. It could be it could be classic Monday morning quarterback. I, yeah, I I don't but, know. It, it just feels like we we had the best offensive line in the history of the football. Well, that's right. And was just you just go say. like, is there something else that we could have you know? Even an option. See, feels, I was just going to say, you know what? It I'd feels have felt, like there's more opportunity. What something. I would have felt better with is just run an option, because one of the things I respected so much about the the touchdown is when it came in the big moment, even on fourth and eight, in the face of everything that would tell you probably not to do it, you do got to kind of lean on what you do best. And yeah. what does Nebraska do best? No Mike Rozier or not. Or, or he's in it, like it doesn't matter. It's option. Yeah, it's part of me would have respected just saying run the option. It's hard they, though. Those those guys that that do this for a living, I, like I trust that they go. You know, well, when they come out in this set, option is not great for us. Or we know they usually do this. This, I mean, they know probably what they want. So it's hard to say I don't like the play call. I I, I go back more to who's getting the ball and where and why. Right. And I just go. Jeff Smith on an out. I just have played a lot of running backs, and I don't like throwing that route to any of the running backs because they're not used to doing that's that. A, that's a different like a yeah. wide receiver, like an Irving Fryer. He runs quick outs all the time. I just what, running backs don't do that very no. often. And you're totally right. The one thing I will say that was kind of frustrating is I was. What's amazing is they the camera. We don't have any great angle of that play. How do they not have like? How a, do they not have the game angle? Yeah. Did you see? Because the 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 game angle was from the other end zone, so you get what, what happened. And then the highlight is from like a slash, meaning like the the diagonal cam. Like we don't. The, so I, I I guess one of the things that's frustrating is I've never seen a I've never seen a replay of that play from a normal game angle, or even from like the the back of the end zone of the Nebraska, you know, like of, of the end zone they're going towards, you know, what, like, so I, I know I'm, I'm like, I'm looking your it up now. They got to have something here. I, the only two replays I've ever seen is the one from behind, the one we've all seen. Yeah. And then there's another one that's kind of from behind, but sort of diagonal. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing here. So I'm like, so that's mm. the other thing is I still don't feel like I have a great, it looks like Jeff Smith has a step on Miami's, defender but i there isn't a great angle that sh- that you can tell yeah that's uh, it's amazing that the, the most important couple of plays in our history they got bad angles they got horrible <laughs> angles on it so it's kind of frustrating <laughs> but nevertheless so tom osborne decides to go for two they run a little rollout out pass to jeff smith it gets batted down there was still some time in the clock. They kick, and they, but it's over. And Nebraska loses 31-30. to 30. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about that decision. Tom Osborne, after the game, when asked about the decision, simply said, quote, 
We were trying to win the game. I don't think you go for a tie in that case. You try to win the game. We wanted an undefeated undefeated season and a clear-cut national championship. It's hard to argue with that. It's pretty simple. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah. So, oh, I mean. Yeah, they, they, asked, they asked the Miami coach the same question. Like, what would you think? They said. Howard Schellenberger, yeah. Yeah, Howard Schellenberger. And he said, there was no doubt in Osborne's mind, is what he said. And there was no doubt in my mind. Um, and, and he said, he is a champion. And he went after it like a champion. That That's what the other coach saw. So the, the other coach, in the moment, didn't have a doubt that Osborne would do it too. And I, and think I like that's that, that he is a champion and he went after it like a champion. Yeah, that's respect. That's respect yeah. from another coach going like, he knows he knows how tough that is. And he said, he, you respect the guy that goes for it. Wow. I mean, 31, 30, like at this point, I mean, I was like, Feeling all the emotions rewatching this thing, brutal. Uh, that one in person. I, I, the people that lived through that moment, you got to. I would. I would love for people to to maybe send messages. Yeah, what and that was. Whoo. Tell us what that was like in the moment. Like what you felt. Like what was the next oh, day and boy. week and like how did you get over that? Because that one, watching it, you know, friggin' 30, 30 years later, we're gone. Brutal. Oh God, totally know? brutal. Okay, so Nebraska loses 31-30, but so let's get to the final awards. And okay. I'm excited to say the final awards are brought to you by Allo Communications. Oh, yeah. How about that? Shouts Love. out to Allo. I will say, of all the decisions I've made over the past year, I'm, I'm serious with it. The decision to go with Allo for internet and TV when I moved back to Lincoln is maybe the best one I made because the internet is incredible. The speed, the reliability. All I know is, you know, so... I got a couple of TVs in the house and all that stuff. Like, my wife can be streaming Netflix. Hmm. Mava can be streaming Disney Plus Frozen. I can be, I could be streaming something. Or I could be downloading a college basketball game to watch to prepare for. And everything is perfect. There's no buffering. There's no, you know, when the thing starts spinning, yep. all that stuff. There is, when I say that never happens, it literally never, ever happens. Like it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's amazing that it's the, the all, the access to the all fiber network and Lincoln across and across the state is just second to none, man. Uh, and I, here's the thing with having to work from home with this pandemic, oh, yeah, that's let's be honest, one. internet never been more important. You got an important zoom call with a client and it's breaking up and all that stuff. Yeah. How's that going to go for you? Doug? Not well happened to me. See, Not I good. lost, lost my job. <laughs> That's, <laughs> Yo, why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> oh, man. So make the switch. Go to allofiber.com. Allofiber.com. Tell them Nick Boss sent you. When they asked how you how you heard about us, say, uh, say Nick Boss. Okay. You ready for the final awards, my friend? What do we got? What do we got? So we wanted to keep some. So the first one is Unsung Hero. We did. We wanted to do this and keep some consistency with some of the awards. Yeah. And it's hard. Let's let's just call it like this. It's hard to have an unsung hero when you lost the game, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just hard. I mean, you lost the game. Yeah. But I want to keep that some consistency here with the awards. So I gave my unsung hero award to Jeff Smith. And that's and that's uh, it's a little polarizing because he had the fumble, but his his last touchdown run in that tough situation was. So freaking amazing. He he came in for the Heisman Trophy winner with three minutes left in the third quarter and had nine carries, ninety nine yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. Let let's be honest. Like if if Nebraska, I mean, 
if they kick the field goal or whatever, like his play, the option on fourth and eight to score is like one of the most infamous plays in Husker football history. If we win, he is the hero that got remembered. Like he, he would have been the hero if we win. Do you have a different one? No, I mean, I, I it's hard. The, yeah. It's hard in a loss. It's hard to call anyone an unsung hero. Yeah, that's tough. Okay, now I'm really excited about this because as anyone that's listened to the last recap knows that this is now kind of our pop culture reference of the game because here's the thing. We're going down memory lane. There's a nostalgia to what we're doing of what was going on in 1997 and 1994. Well, it is the year 1983. And to tie in some of the biggest things going on in pop culture with movies and music, we have two great categories for you. The first one... Would you? Do you want me to set up the risky business? You go. You go, uh, Tom Cruise for us here. Risky business, a great movie, a young Tom Cruise in it. We have the risky business. Sometimes you gotta say, "What the fuck," and go for it. You know, Bill. There's one thing I've learned. In all my years, sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? Make your move. <laughs> the risky business, what the F moment of the game uh-huh. is what? Uh, pretty pretty easy. The, the risky business is Tom Osborne going for two. I mean, that's the easy one of this game. Uh, but the bigger one is probably the Fumble Rooster. Oh, that's right. That's right. We're talking. Yeah. The bigger one. I mean, the obvious answer to all these is like moment of the game. The, well, like, moment of the game. Yeah. But, ri- but yeah. the risky. I mean, I you're not risky because Tom Osborne was taking the risk. But the Fumble Rooster was almost equally as like that was a huge risk. They're down 17 nothing. And yeah. you know how risky. I mean, really watch how the Fumble Rooster's run. I think risk, I think that the uh, the Fumble Rooster's better for risky. The, the risky I mean, you're, you're you're taking the you're just fumbling the snap. A lineman's like got to pick it up. Sometimes you just got to say. <laughs> That's what Tom Osborne said before he called He called the fumble ruski, right? Cruz is putting on. Yeah, he's putting on the shade. No, Osborne's on there putting on the shade. And he's saying, oh, hey, Miltinipper. Hey, Miltinipper. Sometimes you got to say, what the fuck? And go for it. So the fumble ruski. Fumble ruski. Now, there's another pop culture award. Because... The number one album in 1983, and really arguably the number one album of all time, is Michael Jackson, Thriller. Cue the music. Cue it! Michael Jackson's Thriller moment of the game is, of course, Tom Osborne going for two. Right? I mean, thrilling moment in the history of college football one of the more exhilarating oh my god moments you'll ever see in your life yeah that's right true. i think it, it, that is it, it's that has to win but jeff smith's play the op, that last option was pretty amazing too yes so that's if there's a 1a 1b that's it's close but we to me there are them. four defining plays from this game the fumble ruski irving friars dropped touchdown Jeff Smith's 19-yard touchdown run for or 24-yard touchdown, whatever it was, yeah. on fourth and eight to win the game. And then Tom Osborne going for two. 
Yeah, the Irving Fryer, we could have had a category for that play, but we just wanted to be nice. <laughs> yeah, because he's a baller. It's just, he's oh, a stud. Man. I mean, he's, he's our all-time greatest receiver. You can't – we don't want to dog him, but, I mean, it's just – it was it was like it was heart-wrenching to rewatch that. MVP, unfortunately, and it's not popular because it's hard to give it – you know, you want to give it to Turner Gill, but Turner was okay. We're going to give it to the 1%? <laughs> We're going to give it to the 1%. <laughs> Bernie. Bernie Sanders Kosar. No, but Bernie Kosar. I mean, the guy's – a, a freshman in the national championship game going against what some people consider to be one of the greatest college football teams of all time goes 19 of 35 for 300 yards passing and two touchdowns. Yeah. Holy Bur- crap. Bernie to, Bernie to Eddie Brown, I thought was, I mean, uh, they were as good as anybody. Incredible, they right? Were awesome. They were just, they were totally awesome. And you got to, you got to give credit where credit's due. And it sucks because it's a Miami you know, a couple of Miami players, but Bernie was a, I mean, he was awesome. Woo. He so was that's gun, the MVP. Unfortunately, we got to give the MVP to, to a, a hurricane, Bernie. Yeah. Closer. All right. I'm excited about this to put a bow on it. The legacy of this game. There's a, there's a million things within this. Can I start before we get into the legacy? I, I found a handful of quotes from different national columnists and pundits right after that game in 1983. I'm just going to read a couple of quotes okay. about Tom Osborne and his decision in the game and all that stuff. This is from Ken, Del- Ken uh, Denlinger from the Washington Post. He said, quote, The Cornhuskers cost themselves the national championship, but won something more worthy, a nation's admiration. Whew. Michael Kelly of the Omaha World-Herald said, The Husker head coach... Played it the way sports are meant to be played, and perhaps the way life should be played. Go for it. And then Bob Smizik of the Pittsburgh Press said, quote, Maybe Osborne was gambling on immortality. Maybe he felt a victory would assure the 1983 Nebraska team a place as the best of all time. And that's the perfect place to kind of begin the legacy of this. We talked about, you know, how maybe Husker fans were feeling at the time. I'm not so sure that this isn't the toughest, most devastating loss in Husker history. Oh, I mean, modern, modern Husker fans will say the, the Sioux, the Sioux Texas game, but this This is is the game. This is the game. I mean, you People will talk about '93 Florida State, but this this is different because the game was like the title was ours if we wanted it, but we wanted it unscathed, all the, yeah. like unvarnished. Like all to ourselves. It kind is of video. all to ourselves. I just think they. You think about all that's on the line. Not you win this game. Not only do you win a national championship. You are, as that columnist just put it, the columnist just put it, you would have been in that moment and still considered one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And so when you think about these like butterfly effect butterfly effect moments of just like yeah. oh, with with one play and one game, you go from one of the greatest teams of all time to a team that is kind of forgotten 
when you talk about big nationally, national conversations. Nationally, not amongst Nebraska fans, yeah. but big national conversations. If you don't win it all, you don't get to be in that final talk. You I just, just don't, don't think people understand that, like, heading it, this was supposed to be just the exclamation point on what was, what we're saying, the greatest team in college football history. And a team that was unranked at the start of the year beat them. But that home field advantage had to be a, a, it's a big, big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. You're having to play tr- basically on the road. Yeah. But so that's the first thing I thought I thought about. This also was within that. It's a, this is one. This is a defining moment in the journey of Tom Osborne's coaching career. Yeah. Where you can't tell the Tom Osborne story without this. No. Because this because this game in particular makes what we experienced in nineteen in 1994, 95, and ninety seven. That much sweeter. Yeah, we got. Whenever you get closer, the eighty three, ninety three, like those are the, the. When you get that close and don't get there, it makes it. When you do, it, it brings you to another level. Totally, totally know? agree. And then lastly, I told you I wanted to talk about Turner for a second. Do you understand? Turner Gill, his record as a starting quarterback at Nebraska, twenty eight and two. He was 20 and 0 in conference play. Three Big 8 titles. And his two losses as a starter were to the two teams that won the national title. 82 Penn State on a BS call late in the game. Mm-hmm. And Miami in 1983 in the Orange Bowl. All I'm saying is if this game if Turner hits Jeff Smith and it's a touchdown is Turner considered the greatest? Now, some people would say Turner is the greatest quarterback to ever play at Nebraska. If they beat Penn State and we get uh, we get the two point conversion, those he's two thirty plays, and zero as a starter. Two plays, he's thirty and zero, and he's got two national titles. I mean, you put him up with Frazier, and Turner might might you, you beat put him, him up out. there with like the all time great, yeah. not not just all time great quarterbacks in Nebraska history. All-time great quarterbacks in Husker history or in college football history, easily. But think about—I mean, twenty and zero in conference play, three Big Eight titles, twenty-eight and two as a starter, and his two losses were to the two teams that won the national championship. Yeah, and, and then like like say we, we barely had a chance to talk about him today. Unbelievable, you know? right? That's what happens though, because he was man, he was smooth, wasn't He's he? Great, great guy, great competitor, had a great career. It's just like I said, these little—that's what's so great about this. These recaps now, is you get to see these little these everything things, inch. these little inches, these little bounces of the ball, these little things are the difference between legend and immortality and championship, or not. Yeah, or you get forgotten, or you kind of get forgotten and t- amongst hey, the hey, national conversation. And Osborne went for it. No, I, ha- I had a thought, kind of just on you know the, the big takeaway, and I thought what was amazing that. Is a rare moment in history when thinking and acting like a champion co- costs you a championship. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's what Osborne right. did, and it's it's such a it's it kind of it messes with your mind. That's what I wrote. That's that's kind of what I was trying to say in the monologue. It's like it's weird to say that like Tom Osborne embodied everything that a champion and a winner embodied, and he lost. He lost because of that. Be, by being a champion and acting like a champion, it cost him the champion. By by being less courageous and you know, like right. not sticking to like being a less confident, less man of conviction, a less uh, a, 
a less courageous person. Like pride for doing the, something the right way, like cost him what he ultimately would want. And that it's, it's very, it's a very unique situation that, I mean, it's one of those teaching lessons in life, I think, is the best thing you can take from it because it's such a rare, it's such a rare moment in history. Yeah, and, and with Tom Osborne, the, you know, you don't – all the greats have the moment. Jordan losing to the Pistons and couldn't get over it. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, the fun part about sports is watching the journey. And yeah. I know it sounds quite – it's not about the, the destination journey, but, like, it really is. Like, it, it really is fun to think about just the path that Tom Osborne was on yeah. – and you think about this play, and then he still doesn't win for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you get that first one. It's kind of that glass ceiling where all of a sudden things kind of start piling up. If yeah. that game goes different, who knows if a dynasty unfolds in the 80s because those teams were really, really, really good. You said you said the butterfly of butterfly effect with this stuff that's kind of the fun that we get to we get to walk down that thought wow so there you go husker classic recaps 1983 orange bowl nebraska miami i tell you what it's sometimes when we were setting out the schedule like do we have any losses here's the thing we're talking about you can't tell the story of tom osborne without this game yeah you can't tell the story of nebraska football to me without this game you can't leave out these losses even though they hurt and get the full picture like you this this is as crucial as a national title absolutely just know that we're going for it on husker classic recaps baby if we got to go for two on this pod we're going for two we're going for it baby all right That'll do it. See you next time on Husker Classic Recaps. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. Production.